You're listening to an Irreverent Podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Hi, friends. Sarah here with a brief disclaimer. You are listening to a podcast about making space for other people as well as for yourself, which may mean that you're going to hear language and ideas and thoughts, not just about life, but about faith that are different than your own. My hope is that you will listen to this podcast with an attitude of space making, being able to hear things that are different from what you may interpret the world to be. It also may be different than how the hosts feel about the world. But again, we are working together to make a little bit more space for each other. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making space for yourself and others, both literally and figuratively. I'm Sarah, and this is Josie. Josie, um, we always like to ask each other for the intro how the heck are you? What's been going on? What's your week been like? How can I make space for you? Go. <laughs> um, how's this week been? Uh, weird week. Yeah. Had some things that I had to do that really ruined my day. You know, some homework that just kind of wrecked me in a, you know, it's fine. Like you watch certain shows, read certain books, do certain things. And they're just like, mm. Okay, I didn't think it's the empathy part of you, right? Like the empathy part of you is like, fuck. Oh, right. Awful. Yes. So working on um, even preparing for interviews and even ministry stuff, like having to kind of hear other people's stories and then they kind of, they can sap it out of you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's fine. Things happen. What else have I done this week? You got your I second shot. Much. Oh yeah. I'm fully vaccinated, bitches. Ooh, ooh. This is very exciting for us, especially because um, I think one of the hardest things for one of the hardest things for me, let me just centralize myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the most worrisome things for me in the beginning of all of this is that you and I had started working together um, all the time at church and knowing that we didn't have a diagnosis for your autoimmune stuff. I was particularly nervous about, yeah, just being around you. Yeah. I mean, we had no idea. We kind of have an idea, but not really, because fibromyalgia is just, you it's have It's an umbrella. It's an umbrella. Yeah. I'm like, great. Thank you. I'm glad <laughs> that I'm glad that the medical establishment recognizes my pain. <laughs> but also, how do I, how do I integrate uh, practices that are going to make me feel better? And it's a, it's a grief, you know, I think um, mm-hmm. it's been really hard to watch you go through the grief of like, oh, this isn't something that I can three pills and then life looks normal again whatever normal is yeah I don't even I really truly don't even remember what my life was before pain Mm. which is like (laughs) I mean you know it's funny because people ask me like what does it feel what is it like to be in pain every day and I was like I don't know what's it like to not have pain every day (laughs) yeah uh I remember a doctor explaining to me I have um a knee condition that is uh it's a, it's just always going to be, um, probably from overuse and sports and whatever. Uh, and I said, it really aches at night. And he said, no, it doesn't. And I was like, what? He said, it aches all the time. But when your body is tired, when you experience chronic mm-hmm. pain, you, your sensors only alert you to the pain that your body is always feeling when you're really tired. And I was like, yes. what? Relatable. I'm in so much more pain at night. And mm-hmm. I never understood until my partner was just like, man, it's probably just when you notice it. It's like, right. Wow. 
but not even like on a, like a subconscious level too. Like your body is protecting you from yeah. feeling that all the time. Cause you wouldn't be able to do the things that you need to do, like eating and all the things that like on a very primal level you have to mm-hmm. do. So Josie. Yeah, that's a weird part too, is like the nausea that comes with pain that I never really understood. I thought maybe it was anxiety, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, but I'm nauseous all the time. And it just dawned on me like, you know, people get nauseous when they are in pain. Yeah. Which sucks because I love to eat. I, anyway. I'm going to say something. I absolutely hate being nauseous more than- Oh, it's awful. More than anything in the world. Mm-hmm. Nausea to me is the worst. Um, it's my friends, so uncomfortable. My friend, uh, her pregnancies, she was nauseous for months, months. I think you guys are heroes. Those of you who go through nausea all the time, I think you learn how to mm-hmm. negotiate all this stuff. And I think you're amazing for the way that you do it. So here, here. Um, to those who continue procreating for the sake of the human race. <laughs> You're doing it. Um, also, Josie, you made, you were able to put together our next box for our makers and our makers box. So cool. So exciting. So mm-hmm. fun to do. I wish I could have gone with you. Um, we just have so much fun doing it. So thanks for doing that. That was really fun part of this week. I think you were there in spirit. I sent pictures. You That's made the true. decisions. <laughs> you know what? Going through <laughs> this has been such for me, uh, I did something I don't normally do. Um, I think you guys are starting to affect me, uh, my friends in my life right now. I My friend Lou went on a vacation and she had a, she rented a camper, you know? And uh, so she went on this huge trip to Sedona and was in this camper. And she said, why don't you meet me in Joshua Tree on Wednesday and uh, we'll do some trail running, which I love doing. We'll do some hiking. And I know that face. Okay. Okay. People who aren't watching <laughs> trail YouTube. running. Yeah. Sounds like a nightmare for your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I ended up, um, you know, my first instinct was to say, no, I've got too much to do. It's Holy week. I'm really struggling with the, like, uh, almost guilt that we don't have more going on at the church, but what we're going to have to do on Sunday is going to require a lot of thinking through, like, I even wish we had Scott Erickson stations of the cross up. I wish I had done that, but I just had this like overwhelming sense that we really needed to focus on Easter morning with our volunteers and not burn people out and all that sort of stuff. So I made that decision. So I've been working on my Easter sermon. We also had theology on top this week, but I, I realized there was absolutely no reason why I couldn't work up there when she got there around three in the afternoon, stop working. And I could go with her and do the thing that I want, like, you know, why not do the thing? And so um, even feeling a little guilty, even the whole drive up there, I'm like, I don't know if I should be doing this. This is Holy Week. There's so much to do. I kind of let that go. And I went to Joshua Tree, somewhere I've never been before. Um, I think from photos, you've been before, right? Oh, I go to Joshua Tree a lot. Right. I've never been Josie and it was fun it's great it was exactly what I needed I sat down at a restaurant by myself outside on a patio and wrote a sermon that I'm excited about giving for Easter um I needed to hear it actually fits in with the the interview that we had I I the power of letting go of um needing 
certain, I don't know, just to say yes to something. So um, this week I said yes to something I normally wouldn't say yes to. And I am so grateful that I did. It was an incredible experience and I think makes me better at my job. So here's my challenge, friends. Make space for yourself and say yes. Even if you think you're going to have to shift life around, but if there's that like little, Mm -hmm. I'll call it the spirit nudging you that this would be a good thing for you, go ahead and do it. Yeah, just like we said yes to segue <laughs> to our new fun little group of homies known as the Irreverent Media Group. Oh yes, it's coming in hot, guys. Um, well, by the time this we announced it, we when this will, comes out, right? Right, yeah, because it'll <gasps> this comes out next. Uh, this comes out next week, so that'll be yeah. we'll have already announced it. So this so is y'all exciting. Already know. Yeah, I think. Wait, no. Yes. Tuesday. Yes. Yes, you'll know. Um, it's very exciting. It's very fun. We're part of the Irreverent Media Group, which is a um, all-encompassing. We've got all kinds of things. Guys, we're working on a platform potential. It's just these people who are really wanting to do the work of making space for people who are in whatever form of faith shift that they're in, but also social justice shift, um, starting to mm-hmm. see you know, this idea of what does it look like to be a person of faith or maybe not a person of faith, um, but someone who we had come from a person of faith tradition, whatever that might be. Um, it's, you know, we're uh, straight people, we're white people, we're gay people, we're brown people, we're, I mean, it's a it's an interesting group of folks. And I think we're adding more and more to that to make it a diverse space, but a space that is, um, I'm really excited about it. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. that I did that, that this week. I forgot about that until just now. Josie we also did our graphic for it, which oh, is yeah. really fun. My nephew did the, uh, I love our little logo. And my nephew is the voice that narrated as well as my niece. So that's exciting. So that's coming up. So yeah, that was this. We've been saying yes to things lately. And that's, I've had to say no to a bunch of things in order to say yes to some. So um, part of what we wanted to do with this uh, podcast is really I mean, even like when I started it, what I wanted to do was raise some voices that were unique. And so today I'm excited for us to hear a conversation with a, a, a voice that's not unique to Josie because she does a mm-hmm. podcast with her, but um, we have Spencer uh, today and it came out of a conversation that we were having that we really realized um, we wanted to highlight this, uh, this podcast that you guys are doing called speaking in church speaking in church um which is really about uh the narrative that we've often been told that women aren't supposed to speak in church um and all the things that have all the misogyny that has come out of just that one little passage by paul her best Uh, friend paul (laughs) well other paul anyway i wrote an entire thesis on that if you ever want me to come on i can uh, nerd out on that entire thesis that i wrote I think you're going to have to come on a few times. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty nerdy. But um, this conversation, before we hop into it, it, hearing from someone like Spencer, who is, you know, she's got the degree, she's she's been studying, uh, you know, ministry, not just Mm -hmm. that, uh, she just does the work. She does the work for herself of you know, she's a, a little bit more timid than you are, but you guys make a great balance. Um, the depth of this conversation, I just enjoy. And what's, everyone needs to listen to the end because I always say yeah. this, but great things come out of these conversations and great learnings. I haven't been able to stop thinking about her 
space-making idea of being able to accept our fat friends. And even that word, as I, as I learned to embrace it and understand it, um, is such a gift. So I hope that you find this conversation as much as a gift as I found it. Listen so. to the end. All the way. You guys are great. Bye. Bye. When I kind of started this journey of later in high school realizing, hey, I think there's a call to ministry that needs to be explored. And when I received that pushback, I instantly was like, well, then I need to go like, I need to go for it all the way. And sometimes in bad ways of changing who I was because I thought I needed to be a certain kind of person to be a feminist or to be pro-women um, because I thought I couldn't desire to be married. I couldn't desire a family or I couldn't desire to be a stay-at-home mom or anything like that because I thought that negated the like progression that I wanted for women, especially in the church. But exactly what you said, the more I realized that there were spaces for both and the true meaning of like, what does it mean to be pro-women, to be a feminist is if you wanna be a stay-at-home mom, be a hell of a good one, put everything you have into it. And if you wanna go to work every day, then be really good at your job and put everything you have into it and supporting each other in those endeavors, even if they're different than your own desires. I think that is exactly what you said of just, it's so important to have that space for people or else we can't flourish in the way we want to. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Making Space is a podcast about making space for people both literally and figuratively. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah, and this is the other co-host, Josie. Uh, we are really excited today to introduce uh, a mutual friend, but a co-co-host. Uh, I don't know how to say it. The uh, <laughs> Josie has another podcast and this is her other co-host. So um, the person that Josie cheats on me with. So go ahead, Josie, introduce this fantastic lady. Well, hello, friends. Today we have on the podcast, Spencer Taylor, my co-host on our podcast, Speaking in Church, also available wherever you get your podcasts. She is not only one of my good, dear, amazing, lovely friends, she is also a human being who studied Christian ministries with a concentration in social services, which is very relevant to our podcast because, you know, she has the the knowledge, the credentialing, as opposed to my bitchiness that accompanies oh my her gosh. knowledge. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, did you know it. that that was how she was going to introduce you as the one who has the knowledge and credentials and then she holds on to the bitchiness? She's like, my oh. part, what I bring to this party is I bring some sass. Um, Spencer, welcome. We're so excited to have you. So fun. I have a question that we're going to start with because I know once we start talking, we're not going to stop because we can okay. in church and anywhere else. Um, the first question we ask everyone is where is one of your favorite spaces and why? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Honored to be here. I love both of you women. You guys are awesome people. Um, one of my favorite spaces is... Um, this space kind of changes, um, but one of my favorite spaces is at my mother's house. So not one particular house, but her home, wherever she resides. Um, and I think that's because we um, we moved around, not a, a lot, but enough where it's not like I was born and raised in one place. And every time my parents moved, 
Um, and when I moved out to go to university, she always just, just told me wherever I live, wherever I call home, like you will have a home there. And um, I just feel that so much because when I think of people making spaces, she's someone that I look up to in that. So yeah, her home, wherever that is, is one of my favorite spaces. Wow, mama. I love that. So you two have a podcast. I'm going to be kind of interviewing both of you, but also you have a podcast. Tell me what the concept is. And please remember not everyone who listens to the Making Spaces podcast comes from a Christian tradition. So you might have to explain why your podcast is sassy in nature. So go ahead, whoever wants to hop in and explain. (laughs) Spencer, I feel like the listeners hear me enough, so you can. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So um, for those of you who haven't grown up in a Christian context or maybe just really unfamiliar with it. Um, Josie and I have a podcast called the Speaking in Church podcast. Um, the name derives from a Bible verse that basically says women can speak in the Bible when taken out of context. Um, <laughs> and so we created this podcast because over the past few years, we've gone through um, kind of this deconstruction, which is basically pulling apart things of our faith that we have struggled with, disagreed with, maybe evolved in. And we made this podcast to, um, one, highlight other women's voices in that process, but also just highlight other people who have gone through similar things and kind of pick topics of what causes a lot of people to deconstruct. Um, So really, it's kind of making a space for people to bring those challenging conversations and questions. And that's kind of why we did it. It started off with Josie and I used to have these conversations and be like, we should have other people or how do we tell people about this? And then, yeah, it just kind of came about in the middle of quarantine. And here we are almost a year later. <laughs> I know. Is that crazy? That something that started and that was birthed out of quarantine is like, like there are entire babies in our congregation that I've not met. Yes, there are That's like wild. entire, <laughs> like humans, like entire people were made, but also, um, this podcast was birthed during quarantine. Your podcast was birthed during quarantine. Um, and it, it really is, um, interesting to see too, what it, how all these things will shift and change as we move back into, um, not, I hate, I hate the new normal. What can we call it guys? The after. <laughs> I, AC I was going to after COVID. Yes. yes. AC after COVID. I love it. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so as you're thinking about this idea of women and, um, making space, it's really interesting to me to hear both of you come from very different experiences of mother figures making or not making space, right? (laughs) Yes. Which created for both of you a, a desire for not only to make space, but to, um, highlight other space makers, right? So either lack thereof or experiencing it well, has made you create space for others. When um, both of you, did both of you grow up in traditions where women weren't leaders within your church community? Officially leaders? <laughs> I did uh, Yeah. Say. Well, I did for sure. I, uh, I became a, I became a Christian leader in life, like in, as a teenager. And so, yeah, I would say, yeah, I, it was a non-denominational church that women, we're not allowed to be leaders. So yeah, when I said I wanted to go study ministry, there was some, there was a couple people that were like egalitarian in personal belief that were on staff that were like, yeah, like that's cool. But as a whole of the church, it was a big no, no. And I had a lot of pushback from people. So, uh, yeah, I remember the, 
I didn't really realize because I moved to America when I was in high school and I didn't really think about the fact that I didn't see that many female pastors around me. And particularly because I was from a family where women and like equal that just was. And so I remember (laughs) being, uh, getting, feeling like I got my call to ministry and telling this girl that was part of the Baptist student union in college. And she looked at me and she was like, no. And I was so confused by, I said, I I feel like I'm being called to ministry and I'm really excited about it. And I got into this like kind of hard grad school to get into. And she went, no, (laughs) which I find really straight to your face said, no, no. And she's like, women, (laughs) women shouldn't, you shouldn't know. Like it, it really, and I find it. And I'm wondering what both of you think about the fact that oftentimes the ones who are um, prohibitive of women moving into spaces that have male, been male dominated or other women. Have you guys, as you've been working on this podcast, talked through any of that? Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like I talk about my mother all the time. It's okay. This is like, that's like fine. It's like a, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. But both of my parents is actually very interesting. Both of my parents are very adamant about all of their children going to college and being educated and studying and all this stuff. And then as soon as I was in college, they were upset that I wasn't dating and that I wasn't finding a husband because ultimately my purpose in life was, you know, to be a wife and a mother and that's it. And look, then why the hell am I paying $160,000 for a degree? Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. APU is very expensive. It's probably more now I'm assuming, you know, whatever. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) but yeah so my mother has always been very adamant about her daughter not being me (laughs) uh in that she just was like you've got to have some sort of like I hate the word but like so friends who are not from a Christian tradition there's this uh idea of covering and what covering means is like almost like the person who like uh like you can do something if you have this covering, if you have this person, right? So if you have a husband umbrella, right? A husband umbrella, um, <laughs> then you are welcome in these spaces. Uh, and I think uh, it sounds like your mom was like, yeah, no, I want you to be educated, but also you have to like bring the dude into the thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I think um, being a, a avid feminist and being somebody who does not want to birth a child is my parents' worst nightmare because, you know, a feminist hates men allegedly and a feminist is like a woman who thinks that she's better than man when man is supposed to be the head of the household and the head of humanity and they didn't see the equality and the I mean they do see it they just don't believe in it and they think that I'm not fulfilling my god-given purpose as a woman and as a person with a womb if I don't birth a child which you know whatever also, I'm like a loud mouth and that doesn't really jive with their whole Christian, young Christian female thing. And I don't like to cook. I don't like to clean. So I'm not, I'm not a good <laughs> Christian. What about you, Spencer? As, what was the modeling for you? Because if you didn't, you didn't come yeah. into this till you were in high school. So is that mean your family of origin was not Christian? Um, so my dad was raised Catholic and my mom was raised Baptist, but when they kind of had their kids. And so I have a yours, mine and ours family. My dad had a son, my oldest brother, my mom had a son, the next oldest, and uh, they met and then had me and my sister. Um, But we were all raised together, which I know is very, very rare for people that have um, 
half siblings, especially um, the fact that my dad has always had custody. I realized the privilege and how rare that is to grow up in that household with my brother. Um, but that was a, that was a dynamic that one, just having a blended family is not often seen in Christian families. Number two, my mom has always been the breadwinner, um, kind of always will be kind of thing. Again, not often seen in <laughs> Christian households. Um, and so when we started going to church, there was a pushback because I remember learning similar to what Josie said, learning about the husband being the head of the house and making these decisions, even talking about things like finances or like providing for the family, like the definition of providing being sort of a breadwinner, like bringing money and being able to take care when I saw my dad as a provider because my dad was a stay-at-home dad. He did work for a while when I was growing up, but he basically went to school, went to work while I was at school and was always home when I came home off every weekend, coached every sport, took us to every recital, whatever. Um, and so that was a really big pushback for me, but also a little bit different than Josie. I feel like I'm the, the balance of, I wanted to do these things that women weren't technically allowed to do, but I also have, I have a desire to birth the family. I really want to be a mother. Um, both whether that be through childbearing or adoption, foster care, all that kind of thing. Um, I love to cook. I'm very domesticated. So <laughs> domesticated, <it was> the... <laughs> domestic, you're not a cat. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what they say, like, oh, domesticated. I just think of that. Uh, so bad. I think of that Robin Thicke song, like, uh, they try to domesticate you. Domesticate. Oh. <laughs> yes, that's what I, I think of. Anyways. I don't hate that song, guys. I kind of. I like... don't either. And I, I don't feel... either. I... <laughs> Does that Sorry. make me a bad feminist? Maybe, Maybe. but um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think, um, which is funny because I think that's why Josie and I mesh so well, because a lot of core things we agree on, but then there's other things that we don't agree on for silly reasons that we like <laughs> push back on. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really healthy though, because it reminds me not to take things too seriously. And I think when we are talking about how oh, Spencer brings the credential and I bring the sass. I think sometimes Josie reminds me that I, it's okay to raise my voice because I think sometimes I do um, act a little too meek or whatever you want to call it because of just ingrained patriarchy, purity culture, all of these other things. So I think there's also something to be said um, on the flip side of that. And something that I think about often when I think about this um, even under the umbrella of feminist or, or someone who is um, female positive or, or whatever it might be, a lot of times there's assumptions made about who you should be from that perspective. Like as a, a woman who is going to be pro-woman, for women, then, then there's almost a, a reverse shaming of should you feel because of your own desires and wants and needs, right? Like this is what yes. I actually want. Then somehow you lose the legitimacy within that, like if we're really going to make space for people, we have to make space for the, who that person actually is, not who we think that definition looks like. Like I think uh, about how many times, because I'm the same as you, this is why we're all probably friends with, uh, jo Josie is my balls. Um, I, <laughs> I tend to, I am, I'm very, uh, un I would almost say, um, stereotypical female and that I'm relational forward. Right. Same. And I don't know yes. if that's, learn behavior or if I was just, you know, that's just who I am. Um, and I will do anything to not sometimes cause the waves that sometimes need to happen. And I think it's so helpful to be reminded, like, you don't always have to be that, but I think we have to make space for, 
for a feminist to look like Josie, for a feminist to look like Sarah, for a feminist to look like Spencer. And it's so often that it has to look a certain way. I, and one of the things I love about doing this show is that we meet so many people that fall into categories that I think we have so many assumptions about. And then discovering like the, the thing about them is sort of this openness and open-handedness of how they hold on to whatever that identity might be, you know? Yeah, I totally, it, I, I think that's just exactly what you said, because when I kind of started this journey of later in high school, realizing, hey, I think there's a call to ministry that needs to be explored. And when I received that pushback, I instantly was like, well, then I need to go like, I need to go for it all the way. And sometimes in bad ways of changing who I was because mm. I thought I needed to be a certain kind of person to be a feminist or to be pro-women um, because I thought I couldn't desire to be married. I couldn't desire a family or I couldn't desire to be a stay-at-home mom or anything like that because I thought that negated the like progression that I wanted for women, especially in the church. But exactly what you said, the more I realized that there were spaces for both and the true meaning of like, what does it mean to be pro-women, to be a feminist is if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, be a hell of a good one, put everything you have into it. And if you want to go to work every day, then be really good at your job and put everything you have into it and supporting each other in those endeavors, even if they're different than your own desires. I think that is exactly what you said of just, it's so important to have that space for people or else we can't flourish in the way we want to. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting how, um, how we even make boxes for ourselves. And, and I think in the last year or so, I've been seeing more and more women recognizing this thing that we've done where we've, we've become the biggest pushback on other women, um, and policing other women. And, and it's such a great distraction, right? Isn't it? It's a great distraction. Like I'm, yeah. I'm overwhelmed by, I actually, someone um, posted yesterday this like super weird uh, TikTok where I believe she's an ex-porn star. I'm not sure um, that she's talking about how when, uh, Christian women need to like really think about whether or not their sexual needs are being met by their husbands because the porn industry will if you don't. And it was basically like this super like, if your husband's watching porn, that's because you've got, and all of a sudden I was like, this is a woman who is buying into this narrative that is an ex, it's a, you know, ex porn star ministry thing. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to like, now this is a woman's problem that her husband is objectifying other women because you haven't done your yes. quote unquote duty. And I just thought that to me is way worse than some dude getting on TikTok and being like, satisfy your wife. Um, could, because it feels <laughs> yes. like a, a betrayal of, um, ourself. And then I've also on the flip side seen you know, um, one woman going off on women who shave their arms, guys, I hate body hair. I'm never going to like it. It's never going to be a statement <laughs> for me. I just don't like it. I don't like it on other people. Don't like it on myself. It's just, and that is maybe that's ingrained. I don't know, but to, to police people in that way, one way or the other, feels very much like not making space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, so the idea of like the, it becomes a women problem when it's like not, Josie and I had talked about that on one of our episodes we talk about human trafficking and our guest, he literally says, he's like, this issue exists because of the desires of men. And until we establish that and stop making it about other things, like the problem's never going to be fixed. Mm. And mind you, that was a man saying that. And for a man to say that was profound to me because mm. exactly what you said so many times, whether it's purity culture or even just society in general, 
making it a woman problem and putting women against each other when the actual problem is not being addressed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like in the instance of human trafficking, people want to say like, oh, young women don't go out and dress provocatively because somebody's going to snatch you off the street instead of saying, hey, maybe we should uh, address the fact that people are, and mostly men, are snatching women off the street. Like, that's, yeah. Well, I'm using it as a, um, I recently saw someone uh, write this whole thing about like, you guys are getting all mad about all this stuff, but you're not mad about human trafficking. And it's like, whoa, now we're pitting like, topics against against each other yeah right right and it's like those things actually have zero to do with each other and I can be both profoundly upset that Asian Americans are being um victimized as I am about human like Mm -hmm. those things are human issues they're not yeah they're not against each other it's not like there's like only so much room for issues and Mm -hmm. and that's the scarcity mindset and the fear mindset that I think um we're sold constantly um particularly women, right, um, are sold back fear. I think, uh, so what's interesting about that too, of people trying to put against Asian hate and human trafficking when unfortunately Asian women work a lot of survival jobs that yes, feed yes, into, yes, yes, yes. Uh, that, that feed into the human trafficking or other sex work industries. And so, um, no, if you really cared about that, then you should care about this too, because right. these women put themselves in danger just to survive in a country that's supposed to be the greatest country in the world. I'm sorry. Like we need to, we really need to address this. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a false narrative too. And it, and it, it goes from big things like that to like little things like, um, you know, where you felt like you had to be a certain person to fit into this category. What that is, is this like, um, language of scarcity. Like if there's only so many positions for women, Mm -hmm. so in order to fill that position, or become that thing, you're gonna have to be a certain thing. Like I can even tell you guys the advice I used to get when I went into ministry back in the dark ages, um, before you guys were walking, uh, they, the advice I would get from other women was actually some of the most damaging things I've heard. And it had nothing to do with them trying to damage me. It was that that was their experience. And I think the, the lesson or the words of like, Hey, there's actually way more space (laughs) than there isn't, uh, there's an abundance of space. There's enough space for Spencer to be the person who can make pasta from scratch and (laughs) for me to be someone who just killed an entire thing of basil. Cause I don't know how to care give for plants. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, like I kind of, I mean, I've cooked before, but mostly I'm good at making reservations. Like there, there's just like, (laughs) there's a, and and both of us are wholly female. Um, If that is our definition of female, I mean, there's just this huge thing. And I think if we can distract people with making it seem like, okay, you gotta be, you know, there's not enough, there's not enough space, there's not enough space. um, Then it stops us from actually paying attention to the things around us like that are problematic um, and -hmm. holding us down, I think. Yeah, I think that's why I love the podcast that Spencer and I have together because we kind of tackle these topics. We have our guests choose whatever topic they want to talk about, um, which is helpful because then they can be very passionate about what we're talking about. And we talk to very normal people, people that are just that we know, some that we didn't, whatever. And they pick a topic and we talk about it in relation to, you know, Christianity and evangelical culture and 
we don't shy away from calling attention to the things that have hurt us but we also don't not talk about the things that we thought were funny and fun like we have a whole episode dedicated to youth group lock-ins and how <laughs> oh they my were gosh. fun and ridiculous and what the hell was they <laughs> why did we do that <laughs> i think i like my boyfriend and i in high school we went oh to lock-ins together and they were so we got in trouble Sandy. for holding hands across the aisle or whatever across <laughs> the aisle how dramatic it was but why did we do that what like this is not the titanic there was in no way was one of those pews gonna sink and we not see each other plus we dated for three and a half years guys like we were together a lot i don't know why i was like if we're gonna be in the same room we're gonna need to touch <laughs> so yeah, and I, I think it's important, like even the juxtaposition of our personalities is that I uh, like to say that Spencer has more knowledge than me, and she does, um, but I know some things. I mean, I know quite a few things. Um, Josie knows a lot of things. She just likes to sell herself short. It's true. It's called humility, Spencer. I'm working on it, okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and but she is like, I am the more aggressive, more controversial, more confrontational person. And Spencer is working on it. But, you know, she also pushes me to chill the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> she pushes me to chill the fuck out. And I There's think that's also, important. I mean, just uh, if you're into the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram four. So I'm always in my feels. And sometimes Josie needs to get in her feels. And uh, yeah, that's something that I remind her constantly. <laughs> Who are you, my therapist? <laughs> I mean, I'm a three on the Enneagram, so I'm often in my feels as well, but it's also like, I don't know my own feels. Like I'm in other people's feels. Um, yeah. I'm like, I'm outwardly feeling, and yes. I'm um, someone who is called an empath so I like literally feel your feelings and so if someone doesn't know how to feel their feelings then I will feel their feelings for them don't worry um <laughs> but I I think there's there's something to be said about people who can I don't know help us okay can be the yin to our yang my my friend Kevin is very much my yin to my yang um we'll have to, uh he's they've been on this many times but um, and Josie, for, even in this show, like people all the time tell me like, it's so fun to hear someone who is very different than Speaking Josie. Which, his book is yeah. just right, their book is just right here. It's so um, good. Just a side note. So the very first time that Josie talked to Kevin, I fangirled a little because I have been a big fan of theirs for a while. And Josie was like, I, I don't really know a lot. Like, can you explain who they are? And I was like, Josie, What? You know, so our podcast is uh, joining this media group and it's really fun to me to like have Josie involved and just, it's, you know, it's just fun to me. But um, she was saying that like a lot of her friends are like, oh my gosh, that person, that person. Um, yes, but, yes. But we don't really like, I, these are just the humans that are in my life and I don't really think of them as like Christian celebrity and it's the weirdest or, or like post-Christian celebrity or like whatever. I think the weirdest experience, and Josie, you're going to experience it when we go to Wild Goose. Going to Wild Goose with my friends who um, had a podcast called The Liturgist and they were doing their thing. These are like my friends. So I'm not aware of the fandom around this stuff because when you really do help people out of really tight and tough spots, um, it's not a, it's a different kind of fandom. It's not like a, oh my gosh, you're so hot or oh my gosh, I want to consume you. It's, almost like, oh my gosh, you've helped. It's like, if I were to see Brene Brown, I would be like, 
I don't even need to say anything to you. I just need you to know, like, I don't need anything from you in this moment. And I think a lot of people with, with this deconstructing community feel that way. And so they just want to, that's all people want to say. And they're very, very respectful, but it was crazy going in this conference with thousands of people. And I'm just walking in with my friends, not realizing the reaction that people have to them. Um, Cause I'm used to being with them in LA where we're walking by actual celebrities all the time. Yeah. And so it was so strange to have like people like lose their words, like science, Mike, you don't understand. I couldn't be me until I, I knew you. it's like the craziest. It's a very different kind of celebrityness. And I, I, yeah. I recognize that that's how Kevin can be experienced too. But like for Josie, I mean, she just knows Kevin is like one of my besties. <laughs> and so oh. Josie and I have had that conversation continually for exactly what you said of, um, Mike's book changed my life when I was studying ministry. And so I remember reading that as a junior in college and feeling so much freedom from it. And same thing of um, the second time we went to our church uh, in Costa Mesa, Scott Erickson was there and he did the sermon. And I literally sobbed in my car on the way home because it was people that had- at you, (laughs) But it's just exactly what you said, Sarah, is people that led me through a wilderness that felt lonely and to see them in person and know that they're just regular human beings was so freeing because it, it exactly what you said. It wasn't like, Oh my God, I just met Taylor Swift and she'll never know who I am. I messaged Scott literally that day and said, I haven't walked in a church building in over a year. And, um, I just heard you give this sermon and I sobbed and I just want to thank you for that. And like instantly responded and like have a conversation with them and know that they're a real human was so healing for me. And so, uh, yeah, like when Josie and I started doing this podcast and she started doing the podcast with you, it was this weird, like bridge of like my normal life meets these places that I thought nobody knew about, but no, these are real people that know exactly what I was going through. And that's exactly why we made our podcast because there's so many of us in this deconstruction era that feel like we're in these dark places that nobody knows about when we're all just normal people living life, asking these questions, wondering if anybody else wants to talk about them. Yeah. 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 And there's that, uh, the reality of, um, sometimes my own spirituality is, is difficult or complicated or, um, damaged. And I think for me, even hearing you guys tell that, say those things, like I, I honestly say, um, there is something about who God has placed in my life and then allowed me to place in other people's lives. Because um, when Mike wrote that book, I mean, I'm the tiny pastor in the book, right? And <laughs> you read that book. And I remember I was at a coffee shop called uh, Hidden House down in, I was working on my sermon and my computer just kept jacking up and there was this kid in there. And um, I was like, ah, and he was like, let me fix your computer. And then he saw on my computer was like a PDF of Mike's book. And Mike's book had already come out, but he saw the little PDF and he was like, why do you have that little P? I was like, oh, it's a book that my friend wrote. And then um, the guy all of a sudden got this look on his face and he looks at me and he goes, are you nose ring Sarah? And everybody around there just turned their head and looked at me. And I was like, "Uh, cause I am not a celebrity. So I was like, "Uh, (laughs) yeah, what do you mean? And he was like, I listened to the Pete Holmes show and Pete Holmes is this comedian and he had had Mike on and Mike had talked about the tiny pastor who welcomed him back and, and 
Pete's response was like little nose ring, Sarah. So then they, after that referred to me as little nose ring, Sarah, but you don't realize that like the space you make for people. So for me, my relationship with Mike was just, that's just what you do when you care and love someone and you feel like God, and I feel like God has really given me these people in my life. And I don't always know why or the timing. Um, and for me, it feels very, it's always been relational. Like, like why the heck are we invited into that podcast group? Well, because I know half of them and they just decided that would be fun. And I think being open to that is also because they know I'm not, the space is just always expanding and I'm always going to want to bring along people like Josie and you. And just, I think there's this, this beauty in how do we treat our relationships, whether they are as famous as my friend, Scott, who, I mean, Scott and I met literally, cause we were like, I was speaking at an event and he was like going down the um, like stairwell and I was just riding down it as well. And he was wearing a t-shirt of his own artwork and it was my favorite art piece not realizing that he was the artist that created it. And I was like, that's my favorite art piece. And my friend goes, that's your favorite artist. And I mean, that's how we met. And it, that was years and years ago. And it just takes like the reality of like, you're right. If you can say me too in these spaces and places and, or even say, I just am curious about you and where you're coming from and who you are. And, and I think we have to be honest about the fact that people's work has been helpful and, um, I think it's a different kind of celebrity, like you said. And I love that you guys have created, because I know there's people who listen to you guys and it's helped them. Okay, well now there's a Josie and a Spencer. You know, there's an Enneagram eight out there being like, I'm not that weird. <laughs> yeah, you guys are so wholesome because me not caring is just me just not giving a shit about people. I'm just like, well, you're going to die too, I, bitch. So, <laughs> But I think that's important because I think you bring a different level of humanity to it. You even emphasize more of that they're just normal people. Because yeah. when I talk about, when I talk about Science Mike and I'm like telling my friends, you should read this book, you should read this book. People who've never listened to the liturgist or people who have never, I, I actually, before I started listening to the liter liturgist, I listened to Ask Science Mike. And so before, like people who don't even know who that is, they're like, Spencer, I don't care. I don't want to read this book. And it's heartbreaking to me. But then there's people like you who are just like, listen, like, I'm not saying it's not a good book. I just like, they're just another human. And sometimes I need that. So I appreciate yeah. the perspective that you have about it. Yeah, it's just a I different mean, balance thanks. and different things are for me. Um, but the also the reality is too, when you, what I realized too from them. So last night I was out and somebody recognized me from an event a long, long time ago. And it was a beautiful moment. And um, also weird, right? COVID. So, so strange to be like, Hey, oh my gosh, years. It's been years. Um, but what I realized and they shared with me, Hey, this is something that you did years ago, changed my life. And to hold that is a different way than like this song that you sang and pelvic thrusted on um, was really like powerful and moving. Um, but I think there is, <laughs> it's a humility to re be reminded, like, sometimes we forget that the work that we do is space making for people to find their own purpose and passion. And um, I think it's great when people tell you you're doing great because we don't often do it. And like, I want to be everyone's cheerleader um, yeah. and thank them for their work. Right. I yeah. think that go for it. I was no, just going to okay. say, um, that in our podcast I think that's one of the reasons why it's very important to me to always have normal people on like our friends I'm sure we'll have 
famous friends of Sarah's on the podcast eventually. <laughs> famous friends of Sarah. <laughs> the only this place I meet famous, famous people. The only people. <laughs> a new segment. <laughs> I know. Um, but just because like, it's easy to have the famous person come up. It's easy to come have Science Mike come on and talk about all things existential and cool, right? But then to have a normal person come on and be like, hey, look at this. This idiot next door also has the same thoughts that you do. So, you know, keep thinking the thoughts. Not to call the guy next door an idiot. I'm sure they're fine. But <laughs> It makes the conversation less intimidating. Mm-hmm. It makes people yeah. feel like that they're invited into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, um, so I've been really into Rob Bell lately because for so long he was off limits to me. Um, APU baby. And, and so, uh, the big thing of, you know, a lot of TikTokers I follow have been talking about and the, the reoccurring thing that's coming up is everything is spiritual. And even just in this idea. Okay. So that like keeps coming up and people are talking about, Oh, like Rob Bell, like read like this book and all that kind of stuff. And so like, that's been sitting with me so deeply. And even in this conversation, like things are connecting of, I mentioned to Sarah before of, I heard Sarah years ago on the homebrewed Christianity podcast and had never even like had a second thought about it. And then while at APU simultaneously learning more and more about scripture and more and more about Christianity than I had ever known, simultaneously being dipped in evangelical culture that I wasn't dipped in because I didn't grow up in the Christian faith while simultaneously deconstructing (laughs) was wild. And so Mm. on Facebook and Instagram and with my APU friends was like, yeah, evangelical culture, I'm here for it. And then secretly on Twitter that I didn't let really anybody follow me on was following so many people having these conversations. And that's how I found, that's how I found Sarah again of hey, I saw somebody tag her and I went to her website and I found the church and I listened to a sermon and was like, Josie, this is 10 minutes from our house. We should go there. <laughs> and Josie is like, the reason why this podcast exists right now, everybody. <laughs> okay, but again, with the everything is spiritual. Josie comes with me. The first time we went, I'm not going to lie, it was a little weird, Sarah. And I was like, what the frick? I've never been to any place like that. And we left and I was trying to play it cool. And later I texted Josie after I cried about it and was like, um, I really liked that. Can we go back? <laughs> and Josie was like, yeah, like I was into it too. And then all of a sudden the church job opened up and like all of these things came into play because of something that I had read on Twitter. And I don't care what you say. That's spiritual to me. Everything about Amen. that was a God uh, moment. Everything about that. <laughs> everything about that was divine. And the thought of, you know, we, I think social media is trash, but I also think social media is divine. And so we just live, we live in this reality of this conversation couldn't have happened without years of random connections, years of random. I heard Sarah on a podcast one time and I heard science Mike on a podcast one time, cause he's literally the person that tagged you that led me to <laughs> that sermon. And so it's so many little things like that, that I'm like, guys, here we are the year of our Lord, 2021, in the middle of a global, in the middle of a global pandemic, having this conversation because everything is spiritual. And I believe that to, in every core of who I am. So, yeah, I, so I was in Alabama last week and it was great and wonderful. Um, and because I'm going through the job transition and having a lot of like 
I love creating space. How do I do this? What is this going to look like? I'm having all these things. And um, so years ago, so Science Mike became Science Mike because we were all in a room. It's like eight years ago or nine or 10 years ago. Uh, and there was 50 of us with Rob Bell and uh, Rob had just left his job and he like was having these creative sessions and we were in it. And there was a girl named Sarah, not me, another Sarah. And her and I <laughs> connected and we met Mike and then we all started hanging out um, like all the time. And we we're all going through huge life transitions. Sarah is the yin to my yang. I'm the like, so the YouTube basically, like she works at Amazon. She's in finance. She's like tough. She's smart. We both went to Duke, but she went, she went to Duke. Well, I was at Duke for um, theology. She was at Duke for business school. Okay. Oh, <laughs> we never, we never met each other. We both grew up with, um, uh, brothers that are exactly the same age, uh, difference than us. We're the exact same age. Uh, we were in the same sorority in undergrad, but we were at two different schools. We both study like it's crazy, but she's very like tough, but she's ama amazing. And she's always grounded me when I'm feeling like everything is falling apart, but we've lost contact. She got married, had two kids. Um, and it was really hard for me, if I'm honest, because here was someone that was single with me all through my, you know, thirties and, um, and then she got married and had kids really quick. And it was like, all of a sudden our lives are very different. And so that's been a very, that's been a pain point for me. Um, especially cause she's really close to my best guy friend. And so it's been hard, right? So I'm in the airport in Atlanta, flying back home, feeling all the feels, you know what I mean? Like feeling all the feels. And I'm sitting with my spiked seltzer water, just sitting there. <laughs> hydrating while also having a little alcohol and hydrating. I look up and Sarah is standing there and we both just look at each other and I go Sarah and she goes Sarah and she sits down she's like I don't even know why I walked over here I I was just looking for food I guess and like then her and I went and got dinner and we sat and talked for an hour about things that only I could talk to her about and like she understands me in ways that I can't even understand myself sometimes. And both of us just kept saying, what just happened? We experienced a divine moment. And it has been so fascinating to me how, when I'm willing to say yes to things that seem a little bit like, um, you know, even going to that conference felt very um, opening and whatever. Um, but when I do that, where all these other things are, and that's why I think the lessons of like you guys even saying yes to doing your podcast, that's, you know, I mean, literally Josie's like, Hey, I'm doing another podcast. I'm like, Josie, you've never done a podcast before. You're like, yeah, I guess I do podcasts now, which is a very Josie attitude, by the way, the rest of 100%. I can't do this. Josie's like, I'll do two of them. Um, but she, I think it's opened, right. I feel like it's opened up conversations with people or just this thing that you put out in the world and, and someone may not even have listened to the podcast they need to hear that you guys have done, they might hear you on this and then go back and listen. And there's going to be like a, a thing that gives them ultimately more freedom and more space and more, and then they're going to go, it's like all this pay it forward stuff. So it's so fun to watch. I'm glad you guys are doing it. Me too. It's fun. <laughs> it I reminds like me. Oh, <laughs> no, I see Josie likes to talk shit when me and my feels Enneagram four, I'm like, it just reminds me again that, I'm not alone on this journey and that there's people, normal people, just like Josie said, everyday people that want to have conversations that I think are really important. And I wish people were having more. So. Yeah. yeah. 
if uh not to say if anybody's listening that wants to be on that podcast let us know <laughs> we're looking for a conservative person i really want to talk to a trump supporter on my podcast oh do you <laughs> i really do but they're probably not down we've come to realize this because i have trump supporting friends who mm-hmm. have probably maybe listened another one will take me up on the offer i think i'm too intimidating not to oh do my own have horror. spencer do it you should ask what? them spencer I should ask them why. Yeah, you're Spencer a little doesn't softer. have Trump supporting friends. <laughs> That's not true. Actually, oh. I have. Uh, where I grew up is very red. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I guess I could ask them. I think I also um, one of the big things, just because I'm gonna plug us. Um, if you are a LGBTQ affirming youth pastor, that's been requested. Oh, yeah. That's been requested by people that listen so many times. And we're having, we've had some people that like just missed connections. It's never worked out, but I feel like we just need that to happen. So if you're listening, you are one, you know, someone, mm-hmm. holla at us. <laughs> I'll send you a list. Yes. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> famous friends from Sarah. <laughs> I mean, famous youth pastor friends, shut up. Um, <laughs> I could talk to both of you forever. I actually kind of forgot we were recording. Um, that happens <laughs> all the time. Uh, Spencer, I would love for you to tell me, is there like, when you think about what's been space making for you, or when you think about making space for other people, it's like one tangible thing. If someone was going to do something different today, what would it be? Um, this is going to come out of left field. Cause I feel like we could have a whole other conversation about this, but um, this is just a life that I live daily. And when I was thinking about coming on this podcast, I kind of knew you would ask this question because I listened to your show <laughs> and <laughs> The number one thing I came back to was make space for your fat friends. (laughs) Ah, Uh, yes. And uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am a plus size woman, uh, have been for as long as I can remember. And um, just like everything else about me that has shaped who I am just as much as me, a woman having a boy's name has shaped who I am. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) Yeah, make space for your fat friends and understand that um, we're at a point where what you think is the bare minimum is actually not even the bare minimum. And I just Mm. need you to take that seriously. Okay, talk a little bit about making space (laughs) for your fat friends. By the way, saying the word fat friends makes me really uncomfortable because I'm like- Okay, so that's like the first thing of of just realizing that the word fat, like- People have used the word fat against me my whole life when all you're doing is describing me. You know what I I like, I see a dog on the street. That's fat. I say, look at that fat dog. Isn't he cute? Like, yeah. how come for a dog? How come for a dog? That's not contradictory. A fat dog can be cute, but for a fat woman to be sexy, to be cute, to be desirable, to be just a normal fucking human. I dropped the F-bomb because I'm that passionate about it. (laughs) I love it. How come, how come that is a contradictory? And so again, yeah saying fat friends, don't be scared of that. I, it's like, you know, so many people are afraid to say things like, oh, my black friends, like there's no reason to be afraid of that. There's no reason to be afraid of saying my fat friend. And there's no reason to be afraid of when I say I'm fat, you to be like, oh my gosh, no, you're not. Yes, I am. I know I am. Like, you don't have to say things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my biggest thing of, again, like everybody's on a body positive journey. Everybody is trying to be um, mindful of themselves. And I understand that, but just reminding yourself of if you have a lot of negative self-talk about yourself, 
and you know that your friend is fatter than you and you constantly say things about how fat you are, remember how damaging that can be. <laughs> and again, there's, there's grace for everybody because I have friends that really just need a vent because they've gained weight in quarantine and they just want to tell me how fat they are. I acknowledge that that's valid. I want to be there for that. But also understanding that the way we talk about ourselves is a reflection of the people around us. And I don't mm. think people take that into mm. consideration enough. Even me as a fat Amen. person, sometimes I say things about myself that I project onto other people when I don't intentionally do so. And I try to change that every day. So I love it. Cause it's a reclaiming of a word. Like, so queer used to be like a problematic yes. word. And then yes. those who are queer reclaiming the word queer. And then it took those of us who are outside of that community a while to take it on. And so I think the, the hesitancy that I have to use it is like the reality that my brain goes cognitive dissonance. Fat has always been a judgment instead mm -hmm. of a statement. And mm -hmm. um, so that is a neutral word. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the, that's the joy of um, learning from other people uh, and learning from your fat friends and being, making yeah. space. I love, oh, I love that. Thank you. So again, yeah. we could go on for hours. You're just an incredible, <laughs> you both are. It's so fun to talk to you. So um, where can we find your podcast ladies? And then where can we find you Spencer? If you have your own side gigs you're doing. Yeah, um, I, I'm not like an influencer but I like people to follow me. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can find me on Instagram at Spence Rose. Um, I'm sure they'll tag it. But uh, Sarah was talking about cooking. I do a lot of cooking on there. I have a little Instagram cooking show. I talk about something I didn't talk about on this podcast because again, we could talk forever. I talk a lot about my journey with mental health. Um, I have bipolar two disorder. It's another big part of who I am. They said I'm a fat woman. Talk a lot about that. Um, and then you can find our podcast, Speaking in Church podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Speaking in Church. We'll tag that as well. Um, don't follow us on Twitter. I'm trying to revamp that. Twitter and I have a hard time. Uh, oh, I am. Well, our little podcast media group that we're part of, they openly mock my inability to tweet. But have you noticed? <laughs> I've been trying to tweet more, Dozy. I have noticed. I've been trying. I, I am so proud of you. Actively have to try to tweet because people, is that how you say it? Is, do you say tweet? Tweet? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just turned red because all of a sudden I was like, is that not how you say it? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, they would post things about me and I would know. And so now I'm at least once a day, I'm trying to at least once a day go into Twitter. But Josie, where can people find us? They can find us on Instagram at Making Spaces Podcast. Uh, if you want to recommend some of your own personal famous friends, you can email us at makingspacespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we don't have a Twitter. I don't got time for that. Ain't nobody uh, got time. Yeah. <laughs> find us well thank you so much for joining us and join us next week because we will be saving a space for you bye, bye. bye.